brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hi guys, Princess here, and welcome to another episode of Buy Pumpkin. It feels like it's been a long time since I did a podcast, but that's not true because I did a bonus episode this week. Um, but I didn't have a good Thanksgiving off. It was as nice as I could make it. I enjoyed the time away from everything, and I just rested as best I could, took care of myself. Bunny's birthday was a Sunday after. She, re- It was like fucking Christmas. She loved it. Um... You know, I've just been hanging out and catching up on work and, you know, just trying to make sure that I get through the day and I get through this, this, uh, month and that hopefully I I get through this pandemic. Like, I honestly didn't think I was going to be alive. (laughs) Like, I cannot believe I've survived nine months of pandemic. I thought I'd be dead before summer. But look at me. Here I am. Still alive. Still podcasting. Still walking and talking. Crazy. Um, so yesterday I, me and my kids sat down and we watched Home Alone. The reason we watched Home Alone is because I was having a little nostalgia. It is Christmas time. And, um, also I wanted to like be watching Home Alone with them so that when Kevin McAllister starts talking all wild to his fucking family, I could be next to them and I could just tap them and be like, don't ever fucking do that. Don't, don't you ever talk to me like that. You know, just like instructive, you know? Right there with them, making sure they understand, guiding them through this. <laughs> but I tweeted something about it. Just that they're, you know, the thing that always holds me back when I rewatch it is how rich these people are. These huge house, the Paris at Christmas and two, two uh, shuttles. You know, 
when it comes to like, so as someone who grew up upper poor, which just means that I was poor, but not as poor as the people around me. Uh, what fascinates me about wealth is not the flashy stuff. It's not the fancy cars and houses and clothes and things like that. I want to know about the small, the details. Like when Kevin is coming out the back door of that house for the first time, I noticed that they have three trash cans, three outside trash cans. And I'm like, oh, do they just give you three outside trash cans if you have a big house like that? Or do you have to like pay for them from the city? And like, what is a water bill like on this place? Like, by the way, how much does it cost to heat this big ass house in Chicago? I noticed that y'all have eight different types of ugly wallpaper. I, what does this cost? More than my car, right? Right? The when they the the key the the first time I remember watching this movie and thinking, oh my god, these people are incredibly rich, is when they order the fucking pizza. And it's $122. And I'm just thinking, oh, so y'all don't go to Little Caesars. Okay. Okay, I see where we're at now. You, you're going to order a cheese pizza for one child? Like a whole cheese pizza for one child? And they just, I'm just thinking about what my life would be like if I'd grown up that way. What Kevin's mother says very casually, um, what about a private plane? When she's going to find lost Kevin. And I was like, hmm. It rolled off your tongue very quickly, didn't it, young lady? <laughs> if I was lost and it required my mother charter a private plane to come get me, guess what? A bitch would be lost, okay? <laughs> I just have to stay lost until the Greyhound got her there. <laughs> but I just tweeted about it. I mean, this isn't anything new. Um, like, people talk about this all the time. I mean, Home Alone is a holiday favorite and it has been dissected to death you know it's a very popular movie and I just thought I could just tweet that and no I couldn't because so many people interacted with it either liked it or retweeted it or but most people wanted to comment just most of the comments I got are like Kevin's dad's in the mafia with the screenshot of the actor who plays Kevin's dad on and he's with Tony Soprano and I'm like, girl, do you think I care how he got the money? Do you think eight-year-old me who wanted a whole pizza to herself in her own room cared how he got the money? I would love to be Metal Soprano. Love it. I would, I would love it. I wouldn't feel the ounce of guilt about my daddy killing people down at the bottom bang. I would not care. <laughs> not, when, eh, not when I'm at my fancy private school in the choir. Mm -mm. No, ma'am. Not when I'm driving my late model SUV. To hang out with my other privileged friends. I would just be like, yeah, my dad's in waste management and we go to Paris every year for Christmas. And I'd say it with a fucking straight face. I'm not a good person. I don't give a fuck about how he got the money. But, I mean, it's pretty obvious that they're both, like, slightly better than middle management. They're executives somewhere, the, the mom and dad. Um, Catherine O'Hara looks like a goddamn child in this movie. When she is talking to Kevin and Kevin's like, I wish I didn't have a family and stuff. She said, say it again. It might happen. And they're, and they're like zooming in on her face. I'm like, this bitch is a child. How old is she? Um, I should watch Beetlejuice, right? I should watch Beetlejuice so I could see young ass Catherine O'Hara. I should. Um, 
yeah, and just like, I don't want to tweet anymore. <laughs> just people always up in your up in your mentions with shit. Like somebody was like, oh, I guess I guess the wet bandit should have robbed some poor people, huh? I'm like, okay, well, and then someone tweeted to me, you know, this is fiction. Yeah, bitch. What do you think? I just. Twitter's going to kill me. Twitter's going to kill me. Um, what else happened? Superstore announced it's his last season, which makes me very sad. I, America Ferrera has left the show, but I didn't even notice. I thought she was gonna, I thought she was pregnant again. I thought she was going to be back in a couple episodes. I'm really sad. Superstore is, <clears throat> Superstore is my favorite show that is on the air right now. It is something that I will stay up to watch. It is something that like soothes me. I love Superstore. It's short. It's funny. It's so fucking good. It's so good. Can't. I mean, it, it got six seasons. I mean, some shows only get two seasons. I'm really, really fucking sad about that. Hmm. So that's happening. What else? What else? What else? My husband uh, changed our bed sheets or our bed clothing. And put on everything backwards, like inside out, like pillowcases inside out, and the fitted sheet. And he put the duvet cover on inside out. I don't even know how he did that. The buttons. How did you put the buttons? How did you do this? And I was just like, you know, my bed's really important to me, um, because I love to fucking sleep. And so, like, my bed is always, my sheets are clean, I have lots of pillows, I have multiple blankets that I can layer on and off, depending on what the temperature is like. Um, just one year, I bought, like, a, <laughs> I was on Amazon in the middle of the night, and I found, like, a king-size mattress that was incredibly cheap, like, $150, and I was like, I'm about to be a king size bed person. And I got that mattress. It came in a box, by the way. And I told my husband it would be here in a box. And he called me and said, your mattress got here, but it ain't no mattress. It's just a box. And I said, it's in a box. It's a little box. He's like, oh, it's not a mattress. It's not a mattress. He's like, there's no way there's a mattress in this box. And I said, take it upstairs and put it on the bed and open it. And we're, we're arguing the whole time he's doing it. And then suddenly he got quiet and goes, okay, I got to go. There's a mattress in this box. <laughs> but... That we had a queen size bed before that because we never slept. We never slept at the same time anyway. And based on that purchase, I redid my whole sleeping arrangements. I got blackout curtains. <laughs> I got new linen. <laughs> I changed everything about the way I sleep. <laughs> and I'm just very careful about my sleeping thing. So when I got in that bed. And I'm just, and what happened is that the fitted sheet was not quite on. It was like, it was on, but it was like, I don't know. It was just like a little bit, it wasn't tucked all the way under. So I went to go do that. And I was like, this bitch is on inside out. And you know what? As I sat there remaking my fucking bed, I thought about all the times I had to remake my bed. Because remember when my husband worked nights, he'd be getting out of the bed as soon as I, as I'd be trying to get in the bed. And... So what I would do is I would wait until he got in the shower or whatever, and I would make my bed so that I could then get in my bed into a made bed. Yeah, that's weird, but it made me feel better. I, I care about my bed a lot. Uh, I don't, like, guys, I, 
If you are listening to this while lying in a bed without a dust ruffle, you might as well be squatting in a crack house, okay? Get a dust ruffle. <laughs> I love how I'm just saying this shit after just, after just ranting about how rich the fucking <laughs> the McAllisters were. But this is something that over my lifestyle has... Over my lifestyle, over my lifetime, I've gotten older. Like I cannot sleep in a bed that doesn't have a dust ruffle on it. I need a dust ruffle. I need one really badly. And I like, <laughs> I knew someone whose home I went over, and they were sitting on a bare mattress on a floor, and they just had a blanket that they were using on a bare mattress. And I didn't be friends with them anymore because it was too sad. Like a bear mattress, a bear mattress will kill you, girl. Even if, even though I know that bear mattress is no dirtier than a couch, you know what I'm saying? Like in theory, but a bear mattress just gives me the woo. I'm not. I'm just particular about my bed. But as I was making up my bed, and I'm just, I'm just thinking to myself, loving men is the ghetto. The fucking ghetto. I am no. When this man is out of my life, whether he dies or I have to kill him or he cheats on me and he suddenly disappears or something like that, um, mysteriously and nobody knows what happened. <laughs> I absolutely am done with men. I'm done with them. I'm all, all what I'll be looking for in my next partner is a woman who cooks well, is very, cleans up, knows how to put on a duvet cover, um, <laughs> uh, knows how to pronounce the word Panera. You know, my husband always says Panero bread, no matter what fucking happens. I want someone who knows how to pronounce Panera, knows how to put on a duvet cover and a fitted sheet, and anything else? Someone who doesn't steal my cash because I am never allowed to have cash because he always somehow gets my cash. I don't know how it levitates out of out of my purse into his pocket. I don't know how he gets it. <laughs> I'm sitting here talking so much shit about him, but today my husband went to work at 4 a.m. and was slated to get off at 2 p.m. and called me at 10 a.m. and said, "I don't think I'm gonna get out of here on time. I think I'm gonna have to work till 2 a.m. tonight." And he's like, I can't leave. Can you bring me food, my sweatshirt? <laughs> and I left my earbuds in, on the charger or his, uh, yeah, his, his wireless earbuds. And I took it to him. <laughs> I, took, I fucking took it to him because as much shit as I talk about him, he is the love of my life and I cannot bear to see him in any discomfort or unhappy. If he is unhappy, I can't be happy. What did they say? Your only your mother is only as happy as her most as her unhappiest child. <laughs> Let me stop. Let me stop because I tell a lot of jokes about him and I feel like I feel like some people think those jokes are very literal. I don't parent my husband. I mean, I do have to make up the fucking bed because he doesn't know how, because he was just like, oh, oh, it's white, princess. All my bed sheets are white. I just feel like it's easier to tell if they're dirty, if they're white, right? So when you look at them, like, 
I don't know. I feel like if you have dark color sheets, I don't know what might be in the sheets, to be honest. I've never had bed bugs or anything like that. And there's, and well, my husband doesn't want to eat spaghetti all the time in the bed, but <laughs> I don't let him. <laughs> but, but like, I don't have crumbs or anything in the bed. So I don't know what I'm looking for, but I'll know it when I see it because the sheets are white. You know what I'm saying here? So... <laughs> So he's like, they're white on each side. I didn't know. I couldn't see. I was like, you need to wear glasses. This is ridiculous. But I, he knows as well when, whenever this relationship ends, whether it's amicably or through bloodshed, <laughs> I am looking for somebody small with small shoes. That I don't have to trip over and fall and die. Small shoes likes to cook. My husband likes to cook, but I want someone that's going to cook me some healthy meals because I'm getting fat over here. I mean, I've been fat, but I'm getting fatter because he's over here making fried pork chops that are enticing me. Ooh. And so <laughs> that's going to make me healthy meals and knows how to put a duvet. I should get a housekeeper is what I should get, right? I should stay single and get a housekeeper. That's an idea. Let me write that shit down. <sighs> Anything else I want to talk about? Mm. Oh, I want to talk about something. Let's talk about Patreon. So as you guys know, this podcast is absolutely a labor of love. When I started to do this podcast and I started to get the idea for it, I had, I actually had some offers from two podcasts and networks that, that were like, you can come over here and we'll do this and, and you'll be able to promote this way. And the, the truth is I just didn't want the responsibility of having to grow a podcast, right? I just wanted a podcast. I wanted something that I'd be happy to talk about. That's why the seasons are based on niche reality content that's important to me. As long as I'm having a good time talking about it, I don't care. I mean, I hope you guys have a good time listening. I don't know what you're doing here if you don't like listening to it. But I'm never like, what do the girls want? Mm, what do they want to listen to? I'm always like, what could be something that'd be fun to talk about? Because I think... That listening to me talk for hours a week about shit, I mean, it's it's only fun to listen to if it's if I'm having fun talking about it. And so I didn't ex- intend to have a Patreon, but I start I started incurring costs that you do with podcasting, and I was like, I'm gonna start a Patreon just for people to support me for a buck a month, and that did pretty well. And then pe and then people wanted like, well. We started talking about having bonus episodes. And if I was going to do a weekly bonus episode, I needed to be worth my time. And that's how the $5 tier came about. But the Patreon was never like, oh, I'm going to do this podcast. I'm going to get a billion listeners. I'm going to do this and that. And then I'm going to make a lot of money on a Patreon. I never thought like that. The Patreon really helps keep this podcast going because... Because of the money I make over there, I'm able to donate money just to a good cause every month. And I'm able, I have a reason, an excuse to carve time out to do this podcast every week. Otherwise, like when things get rough, you know, when I'm dealing with a lot of depressive stuff or when things get tough around the house, I, you know, I get busy or whatever. I would just be like, oh, I won't, I'm not going to podcast for a couple of weeks. Because why would I? I'm doing it out of like... You know, I just having fun. And if it's not fun, why would I do it? But the Patreon is what makes keeps me consistent. And what like that money means that I don't have to be freelancing during that time or I don't have to be working during that time because 
the Patreon helps keep the podcast going. I'm, I'm over explaining this. But the Patreon's always in flux, right? So it's, it's always new people signing up. Uh, people leaving for whatever reason. And then around the first of the month, in the month when they start charging people, um, Patreon, I have so many failed payments so that every time they start charging people, I lose like a bunch of people because they said it says their payment failed and then they have to re-sign up. So what I'm saying though, is that like, I don't let Patreon determine my day. I don't go, oh, I got a bunch of new subscribers. Yes. Oh, somebody, what? Somebody deleted their, their, their downgraded their, they downgraded their um, donation or they deleted their donation. Oh no. I can't let that because it's always in flux. Um, it's, it's like one of those things where I have to not take it on because if I did, I would be unhappy and I'd always be like, well, what's going on here? What's going on here? I have to keep like, I have to look at it like this, like, this is a fun thing I do. And this Patreon is so that people can support me voluntarily if they want to. I don't look at who signs up. I mean, every, like if I log in, sometimes it's trying to give me a list of who signs up and who's deleted there, but I don't look at that. I don't think, I don't think, oh, why haven't, I don't like go through the names and go, did my friend sign up? Did my friend sign up? What are they doing? Like, I don't do that because I feel like as someone who's been making content for a really long time from like, I mean, from early blogging days, like I don't expect people to automatically come and listen to my podcast and pledge my Patreon because they like me or we're friends. I, I expect them to do that if it's useful, if it works for them, if they have the money to do so. And otherwise, it's cool, you know? So one of the things I never do, ever, ever, ever do, is look at why people have left the Patreon, right? So they, you can do an exit survey, which I never look at, because I'm like, that is none of my business. Like, people, I don't know, people have budgets. Sometimes people just get sick of stuff. You know, I've been... A, a Patreon member of somebody for five years and I downgraded my membership. I think I was paying them like $10 a month. It might've been 20. I don't remember. It was, I've been paying them some amount of money per month, but it just got to the point where I had like enough. Like they make multiple podcasts, multiple bonus episodes, all kinds of sorts of things. And I was just like, all right, well, I'm just not feeling them right now. And I didn't delete it because I still wanted their main episode. I don't want to say who this is because somebody might know them. And the guy is like pretty sensitive about these sorts of things. He's the type of person that like exports the information and pours over why people. And I just like, it had nothing to do with him. A lot, like most of what people do has nothing to fucking do with me. And I know that. So I don't know why I would go in there. But but I was trying to upload like a bonus episode a princess diaries on Thanksgiving day. And I swear to God, I didn't click shit, but Patreon showed me the exit polls. And as I'm hitting the X to get out of there, cause I was like, I don't care about this. <laughs> I said, I don't care, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Like this, this is none of my business. I see one comment that I was like, Oh hell, let me, let me read this one. And it said, that they were leaving because they thought it was gross that I was happy that Trump got COVID. Let me be absolutely motherfucking clear, guys. 
I'm still happy Trump got COVID. And the only thing I would do differently is I would be happy. I wish COVID had killed him. And I know that like, I don't know. There, I, I know that that we on this podcast, especially if you're like a Patreon member that's a $5 member that listens to Princess Diaries, you you hear a lot about my life and about who I am. I don't know why this would surprise you that I thought that. That man, I hold him personally responsible for the nearly 300,000 deaths from COVID in America. I hold him personally responsible. He is, I'm not gonna do this. I'm, 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 not, I'm, I'm not gonna do this. All I want you to know is that squatter because that's what the fuck he is. That White House squatter deserves everything he gets. And I wish he gets COVID. I wish he goes to jail. I, w- I wish it all on him. That, and if you, if this surprises you, what the fuck have you been listening to? What have you been listening to? By the way, this podcast is terrible. I talk all, I talk all loud into the mic. I smack. I breathe all hard. This is half the podcast. <sighs> that's half the fucking podcast (laughs) i'm i'm judgy i'm a know-it-all half half the time i'm texting kara on on uh on air silently yeah i'm talking about niche reality tv content that a lot of people don't give a fuck about guys and so (laughs) this podcast is not good but yet this this is the last straw? Oh, honey. Honey. <laughs> honey. And that, that's another thing I want to be clear about is that when people hear about me being a foster parent and me being into volunteerism and me being about shifting resources around, um, so shifting my resources around so that I can help other people, they think, oh, well, she must be a good person. I'm not a good person. I never said that. If I was a good person... I wouldn't write mean emails to the preschool. I wouldn't have, I once got into a fight with a roommate and made a flyer with all of her secrets on it, copied it and put it on the cars at her job. She was a school teacher. I did that. I've, I got into a fight with a blind man and pushed him down some stairs. I hit another blind man with my car and then had an argument with him. I'm in a feud with Busta Rhymes, guys. I fight children. I call babies ugly. Listen, 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 listen. I'm not a good person, never claim to be. The Lord is still working on me, okay? (laughs) The Lord is still working on me, y'all. So... I really don't know what to tell you. Like, like, I don't know who you think you're listening to me wishing being, I didn't even wish COVID on Trump. I was just happy. He got it. Me being happy that a man who doesn't believe in this very serious, deadly disease and is wishing it all on the rest of us (laughs) is too much. That's too much. Listen, if I got COVID Trump, be happy. He sure would. He wants to be dead. I'm sure he does. You know why? I don't have to tell you. I will tell you. Racism. Like, listen. Listen. I cannot. I. It was Thanksgiving Day and I saw I was like, what the fuck is this person talking about? 
You know what? I'm going to stop talking about that. I'm going to let you know this. One, thank you for listening to this podcast. But if this is not your cup of tea, if I am not like, if I sound crazy to you, if if you don't like my opinions, this is free. Turn the shit off. If you are a Patreon member and you don't like the content, that's not free. Unsubscribe. <laughs> Save your money, okay? I really only want to be making content for people who like it. I only want to be making this podcast for people who enjoy it and the people who don't enjoy it. Okay. There's a lot of shit I don't enjoy either. I just did a whole fucking rant about the crown on the last Princess Diaries episode. I didn't enjoy it. Okay. Nobody's going to, no one's going to force me to like it. And I'm not trying to force you to like this either. That's it. I wanted to talk about that. I want to be clear. I don't look at reviews. I don't look at exit polls because I don't think they're for, well, the exit polls are technically for me, but I I just don't feel like this stuff is for me. I feel like I have to make the content that I enjoy making and find the people who enjoy listening to it. And then, and we'll be a match made in heaven and everybody else who doesn't enjoy it, then just leave it alone. Just go do something else. I heard HBO max is getting all the Warner brothers movies. Just do something else, baby. Do something else. Go watch the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air uh, reunion. It was good. I cried. But I've been crying a lot. I cried on Twitter at that. I don't. You guys know I don't have TikTok. And I just really appreciate you guys putting this shit on Twitter so I don't have to do it. Um, only time I get on TikTok is I get on my husband's TikTok so that I can uh, fuck up his algorithm so he can only see things that I like, <laughs> that I want him to see. <laughs> but um, there's a guy who does... Korean dad TikToks and where he's just like, hi, I'm your Korean dad. And he's just a really nice guy. <laughs> and I cried so fucking hard. I miss my dad so fucking much, dude. My dad would love to make me a snack and like, and like teach me how to skateboard. <laughs> I miss my family a lot. I don't know when I'm going to see them again. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this fucking pandemic. I don't know. I, I'm, I hope you guys all enjoy the other side, but I will be very surprised if I hit this finish line. And yet here I am. Wow, that got dark. <laughs> Listen, let's talk about the fucking, let's talk about the show. We're 30 minutes in. Let's talk about the show. Um, I want to remind you guys that this is the penultimate episode um, for the real L word season. So we're going to do this episode. Then we'll have one more episode next week. Then we're getting into Christmas. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have kind of two palate cleanser episodes. Um, I'm going to do an ask me anything to get your questions ready. And I'm going to do a princess fix my life episode where that's basically where I get, um, questions from Reddit advice, um, subreddits. And I just, um, give advice to people who didn't ask me for it. So we're going to have a palate cleanser after this. And then we're going to move on to what I hope is going to be an enjoyable season six. I've kind of decided what I'm going to do, but I don't, I don't want to say it yet. I need trying to change my mind. You know what I'm saying? I, it's hard for me to commit, but I think I know what it's going to be. So that's the show business. Also, you guys, if you want bonus episodes, sign up for the Patreon. It's at patreon.com black backslash buy pumpkin. If you sign up for a buck, you get an extra bonus episode a month. This month we did this month. I 
let the dollar patrons get a princess diaries episode they all we also i also did a little episode with kara on the braxtons you may not know who they are but you know who tony braxton is but she's got four sisters and they're on all these they have they they basically are to we what the kardashians are to e and so um me and kara you know me and kara always have a good time when we talk uh talked about that and the monthly episode, the people who get weekly episodes pay five bucks a month. And every couple of months or so we vote, well, not we, I don't vote. I throw out some suggestions and the patrons and the patrons, um, decide what we're going to talk about next. Um, we're in the middle of a poll right now because we just finished Hogan's no best Hogan's no Hogan knows best series. So right now they're voting between the mother daughter experiment, celebrity edition, even though there was only one season. I don't know why we need a celebrity edition. They're choosing between workout with Jackie Warner. They're choosing, I was going to do some intervention episodes where I was just going to choose eight or nine episodes of intervention and talk about them. And, um, also what's the last one called? It's, it's not, I always get these, these names mixed up because they call them all sorts of things. Like on we, it's marriage boot camp and relationship. And there's, Couples, it's called Couples Therapy. Couples Therapy Season 4 with the one that has Farah, John Gosling, and Whitney from The Real L Word, Whitney and Sodom. So they're voting on that right now. We're going to start it next week. So if you guys want to support the podcast, you want to help continue, you want to help me keep making content, you want to keep me here making the main episode and the bonus episodes, consider joining the Patreon. Also, you don't have to. <laughs> Anyway, let's talk. So this is season one, episode eight of The Real L Word. It's called Runaway Bride. I don't know why. There's no Runaway Bride. Or maybe it's called Runway Bride? No, I just checked. It's Runaway Bride. And that makes it stupid because I do not know why it's called that. But um, let's start with the, the thing they always do is where they ask everybody a question during their interviews. And it's about crying during sex. Nikki says she cried the first time she had sex with a woman, um, which was in college, I, I underst- if I understand correctly. Um, she says that Jill cries all the time. <laughs> Way to throw Jill under the bus. Uh, Jill's like, I cry sometimes. I'm a sensitive person. Yeah, Jill, we expect you to cry. Yeah, we knew it. Like, Nikki didn't need to tell us. Um, Rose says that women have cried after sex with her. She doesn't know what to do with it. Uh, same with Mikey. She says it's awkward. Um, I'm like in the boat with them. I'm not a crier in general. Although I've been crying a lot. I think it's because of pandemic depression meets seasonal depression. <laughs> so, but, um, I'm not someone who cries after sex. And I also have a hard time consoling people when they're crying. I mean, mostly I just wait till they're done. I just like talk soothingly to them and wait till they're done like I think the first instinct is to make people stop crying or to do something to make them stop crying but you can't control how people are going to cry or whether they're going to cry you just have to like live through it (laughs) so so like if you're near me I will try to comfort you as best I can sometimes I'll put a hand on you if I know you well enough (laughs) but yeah I agree with Rose and Mikey it's hella awkward um 
Tracy says she didn't cry the first time she had sex with a woman. No, that's not a thing for her. And Wendy seems confused by the by the question altogether of people crying during sex, which shocks me because Whitney has a lot of sex. Like some people cry during sex. Like, and they don't cry because the sex is terrible. They cry because it's intense. Like if it's sometimes like you could have very intense sex. Um, and it doesn't have to be with somebody you're in love with. You don't have to be making love to, to, to cry, but like it can be intense. And, and which, I don't know. I was like, Whitney, well, the sex you've had, nobody's ever cried. Okay. So let's start with Nikki and Jill who have a very short, I didn't, I didn't see much with them. Maybe I missed a scene. I don't know. But Nikki and Jill, all that happens is that they book that that house that they loved. And Nikki is like, basically, she wishes they hadn't shown them the house first because Jill always has to see lots and lots of options, which I can understand. Jill doesn't want to like, I don't know. She doesn't want to just, she wants to see everything. And it's a huge chunk of their budget. Um, what Jill is worried about is that if they choose that beautiful house in Malibu, something else is going to get skimped on, you know? And Nikki's like, no, no, no. I promise you, baby. I promise you. I promise you. The whole thing that we're going, we're, you're going to, we're going to get everything. And she's like, without changing the budget. And Nikki's like, the budget's the budget. And I'm like, Nikki is lying, Jill. The budget can be moved according to her. And, you know, Nikki keeps saying it's a wedding. And Jill's like, it's one day. So, I mean, they have a short segment because all everyone meets up at another segment. So, uh, basically they, they're trying to go on the house, they're trying to go on house tours online to kind of look at other spaces that their, that their wedding planner has like, you know, eyeballed for them and said, you should just look at these and pick from these. And, you know, Nikki's like, I'm not going to say anything. But meanwhile, she's like, you want to get married there? What is that? <laughs> And one house they look at, it's like all glass or something. She's like, you might as well get married here. And, and Jill's like not having it. But in the end, they do what Nikki wants because I, I think that's that di their dynamic. I don't think they do a lot of what Jill wants. Um, I think Jill is more of a malleable person, which, you know, on the outset, a lot of people would be like, well, Nikki knows exactly what she wants. She's a ball buster. She's a go-getter and stuff. And Jill's a little bit more softer. So they should definitely stay together. They, they, they're the yin and yang. But here's the problem is that, well, not the problem with them, because I don't know. They seem to be very much in love and they seem to have gotten it down. What happens a lot in, issue, in relationships that have that yin and yang, people get tired of playing their part. You know what I mean? They get tired of being the person that always does this. And you, the person always does that. And, you know, they want to switch roles sometimes. And so, um, being this person that can, that's flexible and malleable and can change your mind and stuff is very useful, but sometimes resentment builds up because you're like, I'm always changing my mind and you never change yours. You always get what you want. We always go with yours. And then the person that that's kind of like a steamroller and as someone who can kind of be a steamroller herself, like what happens is that once we've got the process down, I don't even want to do the process anymore. Like we're going to, I know that we're going to talk about this three times and then you're going to give in. So why, why would we waste our time for three times? Why don't you just give in now and do what I want to do? And then also as someone who's a steamroller, 
I often feel like I have to decide things for people. And I don't know. I, it, it's, it can get, it can get frustrating, right? That I'm always deciding, like, like imagine if you want to go eat something and then everyone always defers to you. So that means you have to make the decision. And sometimes I don't want to make the decision. Um, you know how people will say, she's a strong woman in the boardroom. So she wants a strong, she wants an alpha male <laughs> at home. I just, I just recited like a romance novel back the back, the blurb on a romance novel, but you know what I'm trying to say? And while that's very reductive in a way I do as someone who's like very straightforward and gets what she wants and pushes and can be kind of a steamroller sometimes two things I've learned one to ask questions. Sometimes when I'm steamrolling, I really do need to sit down, step, step back and go, okay, but do you guys really want to do this or am I steamrolling you? What's going on? What do you think? Giving people space to give their opinion. Um, people like that more than you just telling them what their opinion should be. And two, I don't want to be around indecisive people. I don't, like, I can never be in a relationship with somebody who was just like, I don't know. I don't know. You got to know something. You got to have some opinions because I have all the opinions over here. And if we're just going to go with my opinions, what are you doing here? Like, I don't, <laughs> I'm not saying, I don't want anybody to be like, well, Princess is saying Jill and Nikki aren't a good match. This, they're still together. They, they must be some kind of a match. I just, they, they do, they probably seeing a therapist cause they definitely need to find balance in their relationship. Um, so they also went on dance lessons. Remember they got those for the, the engagement gift or Valentine's day gift. Um, and Nikki clears up something that I misunderstood that this is not her mom's studio. Her mom takes dance lessons at this studio. It is, her mom doesn't own it. Her mom doesn't, isn't a partner there. She just takes her lessons there. Makes more sense. Um, so it's not going to be a traditional wedding, but they still want to dance together. And Jill is having a hard, both of them actually are having a hard time with the idea of two women dancing together. And they just keep saying, it's so gay. And I don't know, it's weird. And so, and I'm, it's not that it's weird, guys. It's that it has been normalized for you. You don't see a lot of women dancing together. You don't, and I'm sure you guys, I mean, in the beginning, they talked about how they're not necessarily like in the lesbian community. Like they're not going out to bars and shit. They're not, you know, we're not Whitney, but... You know, it seems like they spend all their free time with other with straight people. And they just, you know, it's not normalized for them. But it is normal. It is, like, there's nothing wrong with you two dancing together at your wedding if that's what you want to do. Now, if you don't want to dance together at your wedding, you don't have to. Don't worry about it. But, I mean, I just want to, I just want to be like, shh, be quiet. Just, just try it. Just try. And Nikki says something, what I just said is that she leads all the time. And so she, Jill should lead this time. But here's the thing, Nikki's gonna end up leading anyway because that's who she is. Jill mentions that like, they don't even know the box step, which is not hard, but they're not even familiar with that. And she said she was absent on that day of gym class when they were teaching her that. Did you guys also grow up where they taught you dancing in gym class? I went to the year we went, I was homeless. 
I started off the year at, it's like the fourth grade. Maybe, yeah, it was the fourth grade. Maybe it was the fifth grade. I don't remember which year it was. But um, I started off uh, school in Houston that year, in the suburb of Houston. And I, because my dad was in the military, I went everywhere. And my parents were separated and my mom went home to Houston to where her father lived and took us with her. And uh, I started off school in Houston and we learned line dancing. Uh, we learned like traditional dances that involve the box step. Uh, we <laughs> in gym class and I've never lived in another district that did something like that. Did you guys grow up like that? Where you, where you go to gym class and you dance together and we're way more girls than boys. And so, and we're also very shy, right? So they were like pair up and we just were looking at each other. And then a couple of people did pair up. And then the coach was like, oh, uh, okay, well, there's only a few boys left. So girls run over there and get a boy real quick. And so we just started running at this line of boys. And I remember getting over there, there was this African boy that was there. And I was like, hey, do you want to be my partner? Because you have to be a partner. He was like, oh, no. And I was like, you, you either going to have to be my partner or dance with a boy. I don't know what the alternative was. He's like, no. <laughs> he was just like, not you. <laughs> I ended up dancing with this guy named Alfredo. And so, and then I remember the gym teacher would dance with this girl that was in our class that was so tall. She was like six feet tall. This had to be the fifth grade. She was like six fucking feet tall, dude. And, uh, and she was dancing with the gym teacher. And even though she was really tall, like he kept saying, I'm going to dance. I think her name was like a Shannon or something. She was blonde. She had creepy blonde, long, creepy blonde hair. And she, and I remember thinking, yeah, she's tall, but you're a grown up. You can't like dance with her. I don't like, first of all, obviously he wasn't doing anything to her. I don't want to imply anything, but I just remember thinking, this is inappropriate. You are grown up. She's in the fifth grade. You can't dance with her. I didn't say anything, but I did. I did look a lot. And so what you would do is you have to do whatever dance you were learning. You have to do the dance. And you kind of have to like move, you'd be in this big dance circle and then one or two of the gym teachers would be in there and they like observe you dancing and then they tap you on the shoulder when they saw you doing the dance and then you could stop. And that's, and like, I think it's, I really think my partner's name was Alfredo. I would just be like, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, do it, do it good right now. And so we do it and then we could sit down. Do you, did you guys have that experience? <sighs> but you know, it doesn't mean I can do it now. Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, they talk about taking hip hop lessons, but come on, guys, leave us alone. <laughs> so I'm gonna skip Mikey because Mikey's my it's Mikey's event that everyone comes to at the end. So let's leave her for the end. So let's talk about Rose. Um, when we get there, Natalie is still drunk, crying on her friend's couch. She's got a blanket over her that I didn't realize last time because remember she had a um a I almost said sleeveless, a strapless 
dress thingy on. And it felt like they put that blanket on her because it's falling down. They're like, oh, your tits are coming out. Put this blanket on you. And so she's got this, um, her friend's black who has like, who gives me Prince vibes. It's, it's very odd Prince vibes. And like their hair is super curly and, um, they've kind of got their forehead on top of, um, kind of mashed to Natalie's forehead is like trying to talk her down. I thought, I was like, damn, date her. Um, so finally we see Rose. Cause remember after Rose left on the last episode, we didn't see Rose again. It was all Natalie. So now Rose is saying that Natalie's not being supportive. And that's why she's at the club to go see her ex. Her ex's name is Angel. When Angel gets on the screen, remember how much she tells us how fucking hot Angel is. Bitch, Angel ain't that hot. And I'm not, like, there's nothing wrong with Angel, but I don't know what I thought because I think Rose is really hot. I think Natalie is very hot. When we get to Tracy's mom, Tracy's mom is so fucking cute. But I was like, Angel is just, and maybe it's because she was hyped up for him. But I was like, Angel's just, she's fine. There's nothing wrong with her. So Rose tells us she and Angel never broke up. That what happens, they got a, they had in a fight and they were, you know, I had a falling out. And then two weeks later, she was with Natalie. I want to be surprised by this, but I'm not. Because this sounds like fucking Rose. So there's a lot of unsaid things here. Um, But is this the, like Rose is drunk. Like there's a lot of unsaid things, but this is not the time. Like she's super drunk. She's like smiling all big. She's trying to convince, like she's trying to convince Angel that they're still friends and that like they said they always be there for each other. And Angel is not anywhere near as drunk as Rose is. Nowhere near. And so she's really giving it to Rose. She's like, yeah, you moved on quick. I did reach out because of your grandmother. You know, I love her, but she's going to be fine. And, you know, that's it. And I and Rose is just staring at her with this big grin on her face. I'm like, it looks like she's like, yeah, 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 we're going to fuck. <laughs> and the voiceover, she tells us that um, Angel was very supportive and caring, and she missed that. That's something Natalie can't give her. And I'm like, I don't know. Natalie follows you behind like a little puppy going, what's going on now, Rose? What's happening now, Rose? What do you think, Rose? Like, I don't know. I feel like Natalie's absolutely right that you're punishing her because you're mad at her. So now you're going to do something with, now you're going to do something with Angel. But here's the thing. Angel ain't having it. Like you forget Rose put a restraining order on this girl. Like she knows Rose very well. Um, She's like, it's always about you. And she's done. And she tells, because they're in their car. She's, she, they're in Angel's car. And um, they're just talking. And she's like, go back to your girlfriend. And later, we see, Rose tells us that Natalie has been in her mom's house. Um, and now she has to grovel to go make up with her. And I don't think Rose would be making up with her if the Angel shit had worked. I don't think so. I think she would have just move, gone back to Angel. Um, but she goes over and immediately hugs Natalie and asks Natalie if she still loves her. And then they talk about grandma who's doing well. They talk about their relationship. And Rose tells, Rose had told Natalie that night that she was going to be with Angel. And Rose is like, I didn't say that. I, I want to go take care of myself because, you know, I never do. I'm like, this is such fuckboy shit. Yeah, you did go. 
You just didn't get it. And the only reason you're over here is because you can't be alone, which is something Angel told her. She said, you moved on really quickly because you can't be alone. Um, and that's so interesting that Rose doesn't want to be in a relationship but also can't be by herself. So, she, so she's probably always got a string and string and string of relationships or like situationships, you know? She's always got a few girls on the burner because why? Because uh, she can't be by herself. She's got an A squad, a B squad, a C squad. She's always got somebody to call. Um, Natalie makes excuses for Rose and gives her a little love tap on her hand, tells her they need to communicate. Um, you know, so they're getting back together, obviously. Like, and this is probably my big age showing here. That if I have to move out, like if I have to go live at my mom's house for a couple of weeks, we're done. Even if it was a couple of days, we're done. Like, I'm not going to move my shit. I'm sure she didn't move her shit. I'm sure she got a bag. But you know what I'm saying? Like, but they're fine. They're going to get back together. So Rose's grandma's out of the hospital. And Rose wants to go over to see her. She brings her dog. She says she's doing well. She only, and normally Rose only goes there when her mom's not there. But, I mean, because grandma just got out of the hospital, everyone's there. So she's, her mom's there. Now, Rose walks in and hands her dog to her mom, whose name is Miggy, by the way. This is what I'm talking about. I understand that when this thing was filming, Rose is not speaking to her mom. But obviously you speak to your mom, Rose, because she's sitting there waiting for you to put this dog in her lap. She knows your dog very well. You've only been with Natalie seven, eight months and she was very involved in that relationship with Angel. So you're very involved with your, like the way Rose tells this story, and I'm not like, I'm not here to be like, oh, Rose is a liar, and da 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 da. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the impression that was given when Rose begins this story is that she, she's mostly with her grandma most of her life, which is not true. She spent the first 10, 11 years with her, living with her mother, probably not stable, stop, probably, ugh. Probably not stably, but she did. And then when she's 11, she goes to live with her grandmother full time. So she's there for what? Another six, seven years. And it's not that she doesn't have contact with her mom. It's that in the last seven months, since she's broken up with Angel, because remember, there's only a two week difference. Her mom has made a lot of drama, so she hasn't been around her mom. She actually is very close to her mom, apparently. Um, Her mom... Because while she's there, a relative talks, you know, she just says hi to her mom and gives her a dog. While she's there, a relative starts crying and goes, you make sure you apologize to your mother. <laughs> you make it right and move on because that's what family does. Like the relative just starts bawling. And so Rose is like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. So she walks over to her mom and goes, I'm sorry about everything. And then her mom starts talking. And she goes, I don't actually want to talk about it. <laughs> like Rose does not want to apologize. Rose isn't sorry. Um, and her mom's like saying, I've already, I've always been there for you. I love you. I'm your mother. And I feel bad when you disrespected me. And grandma comes over and they're like in a three-way hug and crying. And, and the mom's like, she apologized. I just feel like we can just be a family. And I'm like, I don't know. Mickey is not acting like somebody who didn't raise Rose and isn't Rose's mother. I 
Now, Mickey can act any way she wants to, regardless of what the truth is. I just find it so funny. Like, this is so interesting. And also the fact that Rose obviously does not want to be a... Rose is not sorry. Now, she does cry, but I think it's more about the fact that Grandma's out of jail, Mom's there, and there's, like, all this emotion around her. And she says in a voiceover that if Grandma hadn't gone to jail, that... um. That if grandma hadn't gone to jail, that, that gone to jail, Jesus, if grandma hadn't gone to the hospital, that she wouldn't have been vulnerable enough to have this conversation and apologize to her mom. But that's what life is about and you move on. That's exactly what she says. And I was like, okay, Rose, this is very strange. I mean, the I've said this before, but the, like Rose is physically she is so beautiful and like I said she has a very sensual face like she just looks like a like a I don't know she looks like a sex pot to me I don't know that's what she looks like to me but dude like she is a fuck boy and not just in her relationships well maybe just maybe the reason she's a fuck boy is because of all this unresolved shit with her mother you know I don't I don't fucking know but I wouldn't want to have to be in that. Okay, so let's talk about Tracy. Um, Tracy asks Stamy, starts off the scenes asking Stamy that she want to say hi to her mom when she calls her. And Stamy says, I say hi to your mom every day in my heart. I say thank you to her uterus for making you. <laughs> Stamy is stupid. Stamy says it took a long time for her parents to come out and visit her because she thinks it's because she had come out and that, you know, previously she told us she has, uh, she comes from a very Greek family and that it was hard for her to come out. When she finally came out, she was living with her ex and was like having a baby, having Jagger. So it took a long time for her parents to come out, but once they did, and she thinks the reason they didn't come out is because they just didn't want to know too many details, you know, even as they're like, you know, they just, it wasn't real to them. Like I said, when your parents break up, it's one thing. But when your mom comes home with a new boyfriend, it's a whole nother thing, you know? Like somebody telling you, coming out to you is one thing, but then once they start dating the people that they that they actually want to be with, for some people, that's a second coming out. Um, when it's all in theory, it's one thing. When it's in practice, is another, you know? So... Um, <laughs> Stamy says that when her parents finally did come out, it was awesome. And they stayed with her and her ex and having her mom and dad and her girlfriend all in, you know, all these people that she loves in one place was awesome. And Tracy says she wants that too. So the next thing we see Tracy talking on the phone to her mom and her mom's basically saying she couldn't make it. She's not going to be able to come out. And Tracy's like, okay, it's fine. I'll stay 30 and then you can come, you can come see me. And there's a knock at the door and it's her mom. She's been playing a joke and I would have been so fucking mad. I don't find that shit funny at all, at all. Uh, just bitch, just come, just, just get on the plane and tell me what time your plane gets here. Do not play jokes like that with me. I don't like, so this might be surprising to all of you, but I don't like practical jokes. I don't like shit like What's that show where they play jokes on each other? Is it Jackass? I don't like shit like that. 
I don't like, uh, I don't like secrets. <laughs> I don't like half truths. I don't like any of that shit. Just tell me, just tell me what it is. Don't, don't ever try to surprise me. I hate surprises. I just, if you're going to give me a gift, give me a list of things you're going to get me. I'll tell you which one to get me. Bring it over here, hand it to me, and then we'll call it a day. That's, that's gift giving to me. <laughs> is that insane? Yes, but I do not like surprises in any way. And you know what I really hate? When my husband shows up, whenever he has to tell me something, he goes, I've got good news and bad news. I hate that. Now my body's heightened. My, 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 uh, <laughs> my, uh, heart is fucking beating. My breathing has increased. Now, now there's a problem. There's bad news. Just fucking tell me. Which one do you want first? I want you to come in here and tell me the thing. Do not make me play a game to figure out bad news. Just tell me. And the bad news is never that fucking bad either. He's always exaggerating. I hate him. <laughs> I want him to come home so bad. I didn't get to see him but one part today. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I hate him. <laughs> So, so, um, Tracy's mom name is Zori, which I love. And her mom is so fucking cute. I've been giving her so much shit, but as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh, she's too cute. Let her, let her pass. <laughs> she's too cute for me to give her this shit. And I guess Tracy's feeling the same way because she calls her mother brave for coming out and meeting, meeting, you know, her girlfriend. I'm like, Tracy, me and you are full of shit. So, so her mom says um, that how she reacted was as a mother and that Tracy doesn't have kids, so she doesn't know how you react as a mother. And I'm here to tell you, Zori, I'm a mother, and how you reacted was bullshit, okay? It is. It's five years is too fucking long. I, I, if, if you had been a little tentative to move in, it's too long for you to act like this. I'm sorry. And do not blame that on as a mother. You like do, don't do that. So Tracy says she's seen a big change in Zori and she wonders how that happened. And Zori says they're not only mother and daughter, but they're best friends. And like, I totally miss my mom. I don't know when I'm gonna see my mom again because of this motherfucking pandemic. I miss her so much. And is she gonna get on my nerves immediately? Like as soon as I get off the plane? Yeah. As we're driving back to her house, she's going to be getting on my motherfucking nerves. <laughs> but I miss her. Um, so Tracy tells Zori that Stacy has a comedy show. And Zori says she will go. She will go, of course, for Tracy. And during their talking head, Zori says that Stamey is a close person to her daughter. Zori! <laughs> Don't you be acting like Stamey is Tracy's best girl, gal pal. Don't do that. Don't do that. And she says she wants to be respected as a mother, so no holding, holding hands or kissing. She, I, I'm of two minds of this. I think PDA in front of your parents is nasty. <laughs> I don't. I honestly don't think. I don't. I. I don't know. I don't. I don't know why you would need to. But I don't think holding hands is PDA. I don't think. A peck on the mouth or the cheek is PDA. 
I don't think that's what that is. I think a PDA is like open mouth kissing, grabbing people's butts, uh, saying sexually suggestive words, <laughs> like phrases, like like someone's like, "Do you want some eggs?" And you're like, "Come over here, I'll give you some eggs." Like that. <laughs> I I don't, but I don't think holding Stamie's hand is PDA, and if I certainly don't think that. It's fair for her to say such a thing if she wouldn't have said it if Stamie was a man. And I just, I mean, I don't know. I like, I obviously don't have to explain that to you guys. You know why I think that. I just think that's gross that, that you would even say that to Tracy. First of all, let's just be clear. I don't think Tracy's the type to straddle Stamie while you're there. You guys remember that early seasons of, of Keeping Up With The Kardashians when Kim was with Reggie? And they're all eating dinner, or like they're over for Sunday dinner or something. And the camera pans over to a couch, and Kim is straddling Reggie Bush, and just like you can't see me, and I can't even believe I'm doing this, but she's just like swishing her head back and forth, like she's giving him a lap dance, or like she's I don't know, she's just just moving her head, and she's got a ponytail on, and like she's going woo woo. Maybe I added the woos to it, but. <laughs> I remember Caitlyn, listen, Caitlyn Jenner encourages, I've, I've seen her on camera encouraging people to misgender her uh, before her transition, especially when talking about the Olympic Games. But like, and I want to do what Caitlyn Jenner prefers, but I feel gross about, I feel gross about that. I don't like that. I don't want to dead name her. So... Uh, I know that in the scene, it was pre-transition, but that's still Caitlyn to me. So Caitlyn Jenner is like looking over like, what the fuck is uh, Kim doing? <laughs> and the camera's just like, woo, woo. And she's just like straddling him. And I'm like, see, I don't see Tracy doing that. <laughs> I just don't see that happening. So I don't know why we have to be so upset. You know, um, <laughs> Zori says she wants to move forward she wants to move forward slowly and I mean five years is very slow Zori but I'm happy that we're moving okay so Tracy t tells her tells, says that her grandma was very funny and she sees a lot like just of a, a, a laugher in life and that she sees a lot of that in Stamie and she hopes her mom does too. And Tracy says this is the first person she's dated that her mom has met. And I'm assuming the first woman, right? Cause I feel like I'm always trying to figure out Tracy, but I'm assuming that like in high school and stuff, you dated people in New Jersey and your mom met them. I think you're, I think you mean since you've come out. Um, so yeah. And, um, so Tracy calls Stamie on speakerphone in front of Zori, which guys don't do that. Don't call people on speakerphone and don't tell them who's listening. If you call me and my phone and I'm in the car and it connects to my radio, as soon as I answer, I go, hi, I'm in the car with, and I name the people in the car because I don't think it's fair to have you saying shit that you think are just to me. Me and my sister-in-law call each other hoes, okay? When I call her, one of my sister-in-laws, when I call her, I go, hey ho, and she says the same thing to me. 
Or like she'll call me and she'll be like, I'll say hello. And she'll say, hey, ho, what are you doing? Doing your whole thing? Sucking dick? Getting money? I know this is not a very politically correct comment. But this is, this is, this is how she's always spoken to me. And I've just chosen to speak back to her that way. So here's the thing though. I call her. Bitch is on in her car on speakerphone. So I call her and say, hey, whore, how's it going? You get any money today for sucking dick? And she's in the car with our, with our great aunt, essentially, and her, and my mother-in-law. I'm like, dude, why the fuck would you, first of all, why would you answer the phone? Because you know that this is how we greet each other. Two, why wouldn't you go, hey girl, I'm in the phone, I'm in the car with mommy and um, aunt so-and-so. Like, bitch. <laughs> it's fine, I got her back, I ruined her life. So, <laughs> I can't talk about it, but I did it. So, so um, Tracy's telling Stamie that she, her mom showed up today to surprise visit and she's bringing her to the show and Stamie doesn't believe her. I wouldn't either. And then when she tries to get Zori to talk, um, Zori doesn't want to. So Stamie really doesn't believe her. But they get there and Tracy introduces Zori to Stamie. And Stamie seems weirded out. So that makes me feel like this must be a surprise visit, that they really didn't know Zori was coming. Another thing you shouldn't do, don't surprise visit people from across the fucking country. Just... Even if you do tell me when you're at the airport, tell me when you bought the ticket so I can prepare for you to come. Stamy is very shocked. And I mean, she kind of, she's like, oh, hey. And they like meet and they shake hands. She kind of ends the interaction with, uh, you're set up over there. Like, go sit down. And I remember Tracy said something like introducing her before we get to the, before she does her set, she's going to be like thrown off. And I'm like, Tracy, then why would you introduce her before the set? Just, just, I mean, you didn't have to take her. <laughs> now you've thrown Stamie off. Um, I see Stamie's set. It's dirty. She definitely says the word cunt in it. Um, she, there's a lot of like jokes about being gay. A lot of penis jokes about, you know, stuff like that. I feel like Tracy should have warned her mother. I don't know if her mother's conservative like that. I, you know, even for me, my mom's, my mom's not that conservative at all. My mom's not conservative at all. But even for me, like my mom can be weirdly conservative sometimes. I'll be like, where the fuck did that come from? Um, I feel like I would have told her when the car, I've been like, hey, you know, this is going to be like dirty. Like my girlfriend, I mean, she's going to say cunt. <laughs> so, I mean, just be ready for it. Um, later in a talking head, Zori says that Stamie is Tracy's best friend <laughs> and then laughs and mothers that she can't say it. Ugh. Tracy, by the way, is very excited. She's the two most important women in her life are meeting. And she's so like, it feels so good. All right. So I'm assuming it's the next day. Stamie and Tracy are talking and Stamie's talking about how hard it is not to, not to touch Tracy or kiss her. And they also call each other babe all the time. And like, I'm not saying they don't seem like people who tongue each other down, but they seem like people who 
definitely show signs of affection. But Stamey can't do any of those things because I guess Tracy told her Zori said it's disrespectful. She wants to be respected as a mom. Um, I feel like as long as she doesn't scissor you, like Stamey joked that she was going to scissor her in front of them. It's like as long as you guys don't do that, I don't think it's being disrespectful. I don't. Like, are you going to bend her over something? Like, I don't I already, I already talked about this. I'm just saying it was just weird for me. Um, Stamey, all this is very hard. She's never been the first girlfriend to meet the parents. She's, and they talk about what happened if, Z, if Zori might meet the kids. And later, while, you know, the sisters are there and everybody's hanging and they're eating, um, the kids are skiing with uh, Stamey's ex, but they're going to be back, not in the morning, but they'll be back the next day. And Tracy says in front of everybody to Zori, would you like to meet the kids? And there's a pause. And then everybody's like, no pressure, no pressure. No, don't, don't put her on the spot like that. And I'm like, Tracy, why would you ask her that in front of all these people in this camera? Also, so here's the deal. You come and visit me in LA and my walls are orange. I'm not going to ask you are you okay staying in a house with orange walls? I'm going to say, oh, I'm so happy to visit. You're visiting me. My welcome to my home. I, because this is my home. It has orange walls. My, my house doesn't have orange walls, but I'm just saying, I'm just, this is just an example. So, and I'm not going to ask you how you feel about them or if you like them because we can't change my orange walls. They're already orange. This is the place. So you just come up in here. If you want to visit my life in L.A., you're going to visit my orange walls. And the same thing with those children. I would have never even asked her if she wanted to meet the children. The children come home at 2. And if you're here at 2, you will meet the children. That's it. What am I going to do, sneak you out? You're going to be here. So you're going to meet the children. And here's the other thing. Children, cute children, like those little babies that uh, Stamey has, everybody likes those. Even the ones that tell you they don't. When me and my five-year-old, who's small for his age, but speaks very clearly and has like adult, not adult conversations, but uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's only 32 pounds. He's five years old. And he, he, he does things like, um, you know, take me aside and say, mommy, can I, can I, can I talk with you? Can I talk with you? Okay. I'd like to talk to you about the adoption. Like he's, he, that's the way he talks to, like to people. He's, he's very, you know, and he loves to explain the rules of life to you. So he'll, so he'll just sit next to you and go, mommy, um, you know, if you take your underwear off, you probably get in trouble. Like, like he's trying and what he's doing is he's telling me about something that happened to him, but he's framing it as me. You know, mommy, if you were to take your underwear off, you'd get in trouble. You know that. Like, so people go nuts over him because he's, because, I don't know. He's not like, not like my three-year-old who's very much like, ah, candy. Like he's, <laughs> He, and my five-year-old is so, how do I say this? It's proportional. I don't know. He looks like a small man. He you know, toddlers look like they've got all this baby fat and they, you know, they, they look like babies. He looks like a small man. He looks like 
I don't know. Like when he wears his school uniform, it's a polo and like khakis. He looks like he works at Sprint. He looks like he's going to sell me a phone. He's, he looks like a small man and he's so tiny and he just, and he speaks very clearly. I'm, am I not giving the plot for little man? <laughs> anyway, uh, my baby, there's no, that I can't, there's nowhere I can take my five-year-old that people don't fall in love with him. that don't want to talk to him. He's super cute and he's, and, and he's very talkative. So I'm going to tell you now, all you have to do is bring Jagger in there and Zori's going to fall in love with him. Zori's going to hold him. She's going to hold the twins. They're going to off, they're going to make her a picture because every kid wants to make a picture for somebody and it'll be fine. But I also understand where Stamie's coming from. And it is is this, that like, those are Stamie's kids. Okay. And Somebody who's, who's acting like they don't want to meet your kids. I don't want my kids to meet somebody that's acting like they don't want to meet them. I don't want my kids in a space where with somebody who doesn't like them. And if you don't want to meet my kids, then okay, then I don't like you. <laughs> Not me. That's what Stamie's saying. Me, I don't care if you want to meet my kids. And if you want to meet my kids, if you ask about one of my kids too much, you will never see that child again. Because I've seen too many Lifetime movies. I immediately think you're trying to groom them. I immediately think that. So <laughs> if you... Dude, if you, if any of you ever meet my children, pay the exact amount of attention to all of them or the best way is to pay no attention to them at all. Because if you pay too much attention, I'm like, "Mm, I got you. I'm watching you. Something ain't right over here. But I understand where Stamie's coming from. If you don't want to meet my kids, then okay, leave me alone. (laughs) Her kids are a big part of her life. And so if you don't want that, she's done with it. Um... Tracy says that all the dreams her mother had for her, which is like a perfect husband, kids and a family, and a marriage can happen for her with a, a woman. And she's right. Um, you know, there are people's, I mean, not my family, but there are people's families who really do envision like no matter what you do, they want you to get married and have children and be settled in the family. And that's how they feel that you are grown up and stabilized and to a certain extent like you don't need them anymore you have a family now it feels like you're doing all the right things and and almost like they pushed you out of the nest and here you are thriving um but if you're the type of person who thinks that way it kind of doesn't like remember the partner doesn't matter if you I mean if they can have a family with whoever they want to they can still have that lifestyle. I do want to know what Tracy's dreams are. Because Tracy and Stamie are still together. It doesn't seem like they have another child. Um, so it's still Stamie's three kids. And, you know, Tracy's, it's 10 years, guys. Tracy's probably a mother figure to them as well. They might call her step. They might call her their stepmother. You know, it's ten years. A decade is a long time. But I'm more interested in what Tracy's dreams are for herself, not what, not what Zori's dreams are for Tracy. Also, she's got two other sisters, and they all seem to be in being living very heteronormative lives. Okay. At least one is the one that's like kind of reluctant to take on Tracy's, you know, to to be a part of Tracy's crazy life. She doesn't like Stamie like that. But um, 
live out your dream. Sorry, live out your dreams to that other sister and let Tracy figure out what she wants to do. Um, that's pretty much it. That's where it ends um, for them. So let's talk about Whitney. Whitney is cleaning up the next morning after that white trash party where she fucked the dog shit out of Romy and then um, cried the Tory after tour afterwards. Um, she seems desperate to clean up and and Alyssa's just like, listen, I want to help you. I'm just not gonna do it right now. So just instead of you dragging that out of there, just leave that alone. And we'll come to come have a snack. <laughs> Alyssa says she's the person that takes care of Whitney the most besides her mother and sister. Uh, Tor is like pissed. Like Whitney's still even trying to talk to Tor and like trying to joke with her and stuff. Like Whitney can't stand to not be liked, you know? She's like one of those people that if you're not really fucking with her, she kind of like tries to joke with you back into like being her friend. And validation is Whitney's drug. She really wants to be validated from, maybe validated is not the word. She just wants to be liked, you know? And, you know, I was listening to the read this week, or maybe it was last week, but they were talking about somebody, a guy who was kind of acting like a sugar daddy, um, who was just like, you know, helping this woman pay, fix her credit and helping pay bills and giving her good dick and they just enjoying, but he doesn't want anything more than that. Even though he introduces her to her family, to his family and stuff. And, and she's like, well, why would he do all this if he doesn't want to have a relationship? And they're basically like, girl, take what you got and use it until you meet somebody who does want to be in a relationship. This is fine for now. And Kid Fury said, I'm going to paraphrase. He said, people like to be liked, right? So like, this is how people get mixed signals is that someone will woo you so that you will give in in return, give them attention and like them. But it doesn't necessarily mean they want to spend the rest of their life with you. And Whitney's like that. She just wants to be liked. And so Tor being mad at her is not, is unbearable. So she's going to like, play with Tor until Tor's back to Whitney's all fine. Like, at least she's not openly hating her. Now, Tor tells us that after the party, Whitney told her Romy raped her. Now, I don't like this. And the reason I don't like it is because when someone says they're raped, I like to take it seriously. I like to, I don't ever want to be in a position where someone's saying, I've been raped and I'm saying that's bullshit. I don't want to be in, that's, that's, that's not how I want to live my life. I don't want to live my life telling people they haven't been raped if they say they have. I would like <laughs> to, I just want to believe people when they tell me they've been hurt and, and not have to be like, I don't think so. Here's the thing. I don't think so, Whitney. And I feel like, I know Whitney was incredibly drunk. So was Romy. I feel like when Whitney said she was raped by Romy, what she was trying to say was that she's very drunk. She didn't know how it happened. She felt like Romy led her into the room. But that's a bad choice of words because rape, words mean things. And if you're willing to say that, what you're, what you mean is that Romy took advantage, that you did not consent to having sex with her. And based on what we saw, yes, you did. 
And again, I also don't want to be this person that's like, I saw the tape. You like you were enjoying it. Like, these are not things I want to be saying. But I'd like to hear Whitney talk about this now. Because I think that what she would say is that at the time, she just really wanted to or she wanted to express that she didn't know she was going to do that. It just kind of happened. She felt like Romy was was really leading her to do it. And if that hadn't happened, she wouldn't have done it. But it feels gross to know that Whitney went in that room and said the word rape so that Tor wouldn't be mad that she went in there and fucked the dog shit out of Romy. I, I wish this was not in the show. It makes me feel incredibly uncomfortable. Um, and the only reason I feel okay talking about this is because I don't think Whitney believed she was raped. I think she said that to make Tor not be mad at her. But it makes me mad at Whitney because I'm just like, Whitney, take responsibility for something. Take responsibility that what happened was so mean, so fucking mean. Like I said, you just had sex with Tor in that bed. You're supposed to go to sleep with Tor in that bed. And then you just, everybody knows you just kind of, there's a cameraman in there and everything. Everybody knows you just wandered into that room with her and then proceeded to fuck her and get fucked, you know? Like, I really wish this wasn't in the show. I It makes me incredibly uncomfortable. So, you know... Whitney's not feeling great. She's she's um, she's hungover. She's still feeling like an asshole from the night before. And Alyssa's comforting her and saying that she loves Whitney, but Whitney put, gets herself in these situations and that she hurt Tor again. And that makes her not very happy with her. You know, Alyssa's an enabler. Alyssa's Whitney's enabler. Like, she's almost like a mom to her. And I wonder what their sexual dynamic was like. I don't know, dude. So, um, Whitney and there's like a little ridiculous scene where Whitney and Alyssa have to take some, they said it's lube waste. I don't know what that is. Was it from the party? Was it from like, I, I think it might've been from the party like from that pool that they had. But I also thought I might have to do some with work. But anyway, they're trying to get rid of that shit. And they have to take it down to a dumpster that they don't own. Um, and they have like a little shopping cart and they're going to push the shop in the shop. And there's also a hole in the bag and this shit's stanky. I think it is that stuff that was in the baby pool because uh, they had like corn or something in there. And so if you don't, <laughs> if you don't know, because you don't live in like, you live in like an apartment complex or someplace like that. You have to pay to have the city take your trash away. And if you live in a house, right? And they only take, well, this, as far as I've known, they only take things that are in the can. So if it doesn't fit in the can, then they won't take it. And like you have to schedule big trash pickups or if you live like I do in an unfashionable suburb, they don't really do big trash pickups. You you make an appointment to go to the dump. 
where you bring the trash to them. It really depends. And so, like, when I lived in an apartment complex, I would just throw shit away. I didn't even think about that. I just take it to the dumpsters. Take it to the fucking dumpsters. I lived in one that had a trash compactor. It was great. You just throw it in there and compact the trash. And it never occurred to me that, like, all this trash I was getting rid of, because I get rid of things a lot. I get a lot of packages. I order things online all the time. I'm still using Amazon. Guys, I don't know when I'm going to be able to stop using Amazon. I will say this, like, obviously, like, Amazon is a shitty company, right? Uh, it's, It's a pretty evil company. But here's the deal. Blaming me for getting, for being able to order Christmas toys without having to go to the mall or to Walmart, which is equally as evil. I'm like, but what really needs to do is we need to regulate industry. <laughs> like me and my, me buying fake money on Amazon. I have to buy fake money because I've been, I've been working with financial literacy with my children. So I'm working on giving them their allowance in their hands so that they understand what it's like to get money, hold money. Uh, money doesn't have a name on it. So if you lose money, somebody can st- take it from stuff like that. But like, where do I even buy that? That's not Target or Walmart. Like, there are a lot of complicated things about Amazon that people do. Like, obviously, I think that. Uh, Amazon's uh, fucking up the environment. I think that it's a reason why, like, like it's a perfect example of wealth um, inequality. It's a perfect example of how rich people get richer and things like that. And I understand that just because it's convenient doesn't make it right. But also, where do you guys buy toenail grinders. Where do you buy that from? Like the ones where you do the grind things at home? Like where do you do that from? Or like nail grinders, where do you, where do you get that from? I don't know where to get that from. Only places, like, I don't have like bestoke, bespoke uh, puzzle shops. I don't have that. Like I, if I wanna buy a puzzle, I will have to go to Walmart, Target, or Amazon. And they're all, well, I guess Target's a smidge less evil, but it's just as evil as the other two. And I also have to drive 30 minutes to get to Target or 20 minutes to get to Target. I don't know. I don't. And then, like, as I'm having these conversations, usually on Twitter, I'm having these conversations, Amazon hosts, Amazon hosting services is what keeps Twitter on the internet. When Amazon hosting services go off, Twitter goes down. Like, it's vi- it's a monopoly. It's terrible. But like, also, fuck me for wanting to buy cheap things and they're getting shipped to my house. Fuck me for that? Dude, like, what are you, t- like, I'm not the problem. The problem is, is that we don't have the legislation in place that prevent that makes people pay their taxes. That makes corporations pay their taxes, guys. It's not my fault. I don't know, guys. I feel like I've talked about this before about like, you know, 
we do what we can when we can. Like recently I got rid of a lot of my clothes and I donated them to a place for some of them had fucking tags on them. And I'm working on avoiding fast fashion. I don't, I don't believe in anything fast fashion, anything that we need to do to get fast fashion, like pay people below a living wage, uh, Refuse to let people unionize. Uh, all the all the environmental destruction from all the shipping and stuff. I like. I get that. Like, but also my body changes, and I can't buy a hundred and fifty dollar pair of jeans that are gonna last forever because I don't know what my body's gonna look like next month or next year. And I'm not going. And I know a lot of people's suggestion would be like, "Why don't you stop being fat, bitch?" But like, I'm not gonna like hate on my body. Because it doesn't fit into clothes. Clothes are tools for my body. The body's the most important thing. And so this is what my body's like. Sometimes I'm smaller. Sometimes I'm bigger. And I can't afford to buy six pairs of $150 jeans that were made ethically and made well um, to make sure that I fit all the sizes my body might be. Do you understand? So like I'm like working on that problem right now, but I'm doing it as I can and that's less shopping and you know, I love Old Navy, but I need I can leave Old Navy alone because I can right now. Now if you can't afford anything but Old Navy sales, I'm not going to be like, "Well, fuck you for using old like you should be naked instead of you." <laughs> do you understand? I mean, people should do what they can. Like, I don't go to Chick-fil-A, and I don't have to go to Chick-fil-A. It doesn't cost me anything not to go to Chick-fil-A, and so I don't need to go over there. And eventually, I'm working on it now. It's hard, but I'm working on it now. I'm going to end my dependence on Amazon. I don't buy books from there. I buy books from independent bookstores because that is a viable way for me to get books without having to depend on Amazon. My kids use Fire tablets because I buy... The, to buy a tablet for a foster kid is thirty to forty dollars, maybe fifty if I'm if I'm getting a brand new one. And I almost buy every foster kid a tablet because most of them don't have one. They have easy parental controls. You know, it's 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 it works. I'm slowly moving my kids to iPads, but you know, fucking Apple, like <sighs> it's hard, is what I'm saying. And everyone's doing the best they can. And just as long, like all what I'm holding myself to is this, is that I'm going to try to make smart decisions about my purchases. Now, that doesn't mean that I cannot buy, I can't, I'm going to be able to unbuy, I'm not going to be able to buy anything on Amazon to tomorrow, like no more. But I am going to say this, is that if it's possible for me not to buy the thing on Amazon, like the nail grinder, I thought I could get it at Ulta, I drove all the way to Ulta. It wasn't a fucking Ulta. I wasted a bunch of gas doing so. But there's another beauty supply I'm gonna check out. Maybe I'll get one there, okay? And I'll figure it out. But I'm not gonna beat myself up because I have a very complicated life and sometimes I need to order shit off of Amazon, especially in a fucking pandemic. I'm not gonna beat myself up about that. Especially when I'm working very hard to try to do, I'm babbling, I'm babbling. 
But like I used to get a lot of, uh, I used to get a lot of packages and mail and buy things online, things like that. And so I just, you know, throw shit away. And once I started having to pay for water and trash, I realized, bitch, they only, you got too much trash. I never thought about that because I would just throw shit in the apartment dumpster and the apartment complex dumpster and just be like, whatever. So, (laughs) so here's the thing. I've gotten very knowledgeable about dumpster laws. And the reason, so so these commercial dumpsters, the reason they don't want you dumping in there is because they have to pay to get their trash removed. And they let's say it's a fast food, like maybe they only have one pickup a week. And if it exceeds that, they have to pay more for it to come out there. Let's, in some other places, in some other situations, it's by the pound. So if you add their your trash to it, they pay more for your trash. That said, I have also been a Whitney and Alyssa and been like dumping shit in somebody else's dumpster in the middle of the night to get rid of it because I could not get it out in my garbage. Like my kids, uh, Christmas is coming. And so there are going to be some changes um, in some bike situations. And they have some broken bikes and things outside. And we also have some, Bunny broke her bed and I had to break it down so it's outside. But I can't like get the garbage man to pick that up unless I have room for it inside my trash can. I'm never going to have room for it inside my trash can because I actually have trash from the house. I have seven people living here. I've also reduced quite a bit of my trash, by the way. I've been working side, like to be like, okay, why is, because at one point, Every time I took out my garbage cans, I had the most garbage on the street. And I was like, why? Part of it was that I was using, still using paper plates and, and um, plastic forks, which is bad. It's bad for the environment. But also, like, my family grew from two people to four people to seven people. Like, it felt like overnight. And so I just didn't have enough, like, plateware to use. And it felt like everything was always dirty. And if I used all the plateware I had, then you couldn't eat anything until somebody did all the dishes. It was... A lot. And so I like worked on that earlier this spring, like by buying, making sure I had enough stuff and like getting away from using paper plates and dishes and stuff like that. And I'm like reducing the, as much as I can. I'm using the recycling program as much as I can. I'm working on it. But when it comes, like if you have to get rid of a bike and like a broken bed and stuff, you, and also, by the way, you only get two appointments at the dump a year. So you can't bring, you know, it's, it's drama. So like what I do is I drive over to this apartment complex that I know that like are very lax about their rules and I throw shit away there. And like, is that nice? Is that a good thing to do? No, but you know, sometimes you gotta do what I gotta do. And this is, I don't even know why I'm talking about this shit, but this scene, I was like, oh, they didn't get enough footage of Whitney. Did you this is a dumb scene and this, and I'm dumb for talking about it. So, all right. So Whitney and Sa- Whitney and Scarlett are, have, are eating someplace and Scarlett is on her, and Sada is on her way from San Francisco. And they're talking about that. Um, Whitney says that Tor and Romy are dramatic and that Sada is, is a drummer-free hookup. She says that Sada's never asking her where she is or what she's doing. I'm like, Whitney, this is exactly one of those things where you're like, where you're like, dude, um, 
touring Romeo or, or drama because you adding drama to them because you lie to them and play them off each other and do things that are absolutely inappropriate. Like fuck somebody, fuck somebody else in the bed that you expect that girl to sleep in that night when she has feelings for you just fucked her in the bed. Like, I, maybe I'm making too much of a deal. I know that like, there are people who wouldn't care. There are people who be like, I don't give a fuck. And it's we'll just change the sheets. I, I know there are people that just, or don't change the sheets. We don't care. I know people wouldn't care. But I would care. That would be hurtful to me. And it's like an easy thing to not do. You know? Like, just don't do that. So Scarlet is, well, Sada's coming to Dinah. And Scarlet is worried about Romy saying that Whitney needs to be conscious of her feelings. She says that Romy is her friend and she says that she needs to stop toying with Romy or she'll be pissed at Whitney. And Scarlett is saying, be honest, just be honest. And Whitney's like, I'm going to try to be. So Whitney and Romy are then out to eat. And Whitney tells her that Sada's coming to LA and they don't have a place, like her and her friends don't have a place yet. And Romy says that Whitney is being vague about her relationship with, with Sada and they all, they both say that they've gotten to the point where they can all be friends and it's fine. So I know it's not fine. And in a voiceover, Whitney says she has feelings for Romy and she has feelings for Sada. What is, and she should, but she needs to end it with somebody. And I'm like, what does that mean? What does I have feelings for mean to Whitney? That you want to fuck them? That you have some sort of connection to them? I don't know. I, I feel like she uses it interchangeably to talk about anything like any person she likes I have feelings for I don't think that's true I think that if you actually have feelings for Romy and for Sada that you would be a little more careful with their feelings um I think that like I've said before I think Whitney's only her only goal is to make sure nobody's mad at her and that everybody's still cool with her like she cares more about what validation that gives her to make these people feel like fall in love with her. She's just like her fucking dad. Um, Whitney says she's going to have a child in the next three years <laughs> because she's very maternal. It wasn't three years. It's 10 years, but yeah, she does have a child. And Romy says that's nice. And that she can get someone pregnant at Dinah. And Whitney says that she could get, Romy pregnant and Romy says, yeah, me and a lot of other people. Oh, in this scene also, I noticed that Romy is, so Romy, um, in season two and three, we hear more about Romy's lifestyle, lifestyle. We hear more about Romy having like, um, she has an eating disorder. She has two, she has two gay moms. Is that an oxymoron? Two gay moms? I don't know. Her, her mom is a lesbian and has a partner and that's also, that's her stepmom. And so she didn't really have to come out as queer. She always, you know, it just was a thing. And later when she admits that she's bisexual or like she, she has to come out as bisexual. She never had to come out as queer though. And also I believe Romy has an eating disorder or had an eating disorder in the past. And so what struck me in this scene is watching this, I remember Romy being so much more skinnier. Um, 
And I was like, oh, you know what? You remember Romy from season three after she's been through a bunch of shit, um, more breakups, and now she's dating a dude, and everyone's like, she's a fake lesbian. <laughs> like, you're remembering a Romy that has some miles on her and, like, maybe doesn't get to eat as much. I mean, I don't want to be sitting here talking about her body, so I'll stop. But... It's just something I noticed because in my mind's eye, Romy is very, very angular and skinny. And she is, but in this, she's a little softer looking. I was like, oh, yeah, this is season one, Romy. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it with them. So I want to talk about Mikey. And the reason I left her to last is because everybody ends up at Mikey's show at the end. Um, you know, it's fashion week. And... The more I, like, like I said, Mikey's involvement in LA Fashion Week has always been an enigma wrapped in a riddle, wrapped in a big circus tent. I don't know. I'm very curious about what this actually means. And so is, I, I've kind of decided based on this that Mikey is doing two or more event, main events of fashion, of LA Fashion Week. LA Fashion Week, lots of things are happening, but when she's doing, when she says she's producing all of LA Fashion Week, she means the sponsored events of LA Fashion Week. And then other people are doing like things that are awesome. That's what I've decided. So she's on the premises, her tent is up. She, she says it's her biggest production ever. She does a little spiel. She's on site for E! News talking about how insane the tent is. She is psyched. She's, so, she's like two days out. And then the next day they're doing walk walkthroughs for the White Trash Beautiful show. And Ava Sambora is walking in her father's show, Richie Sambora's show. And Heather Locklear is there because that is her mother. Which is interesting because we, this is like very, this is years and years and years before gets out that Heather Locklear is like struggling with alcoholism um, or some mental illness um, combined with uh, uh, alcohol abuse. And she ends up going to rehab and DUI and all these things. And um, tabloids are like, Ava doesn't want to speak to her. She only, she, she taking solace in her father because her mother is crazy. Like the, maybe two, three years ago, there was a lot of shit about Heather Locklear and the, and Ava Sambora in the tabloids. But so yeah, um, they're, they're showing up. They, at, there's a runway coach that they teach Ava how to walk in shoes because Ava hasn't done runway. Um, while they're doing this, Raquel shows up with roses and balloons for Mikey. And Mikey, like, sees her and kind of takes the roses and balloons, like, throws them. And then later she says, Raquel's show really came because Heather was there and she wanted to see her. And the roses and balloons were a distraction. And I'm like, what? <laughs> she says it so casually, too. Like, my girlfriend just brought flowers and balloons to my place of business to see Heather Locklear. That's a crazy thing, right? I don't know. Um, so it's showtime. Um, she's going from place to place, checking everything and everyone. She's met, she has to meet all these people. I mean, she's just running around like a chicken with her head cut off. Um, 
And then the lights go out on the step and repeat, which really angers Mikey. And they're walking around trying to get these lights back on because celebrities want, you want celebrities to take pictures on the step and repeat so that you can be, they can be used for publicity. And her clients that she's, that are paying her to like facilitate all this, want that publicity. I don't know if you guys know this, but so every year we get donated gifts because we're a foster family. And I talked about this on Princess Diaries, why I don't want them, but I have to take them. It's, you know, so, but then after someone donates gifts to our family, I have to take pictures of the foster children with the gifts. And I have to take like multiple different pictures, like in different angles and stuff, because the agency has to use those pictures in fundraising efforts. One, they need to show it to the person who sponsors the house or the fundraising for, or like sometimes they do like a corporation of donate a certain amount of money or a business will, uh, match up with the, um, with the requests of the kids, but so the agency needs to one show the kids, so show real kids that receive them and look happy and two use those photos for fundraising efforts in the future. I hate that. Um, also I can't sign a photo release for a, for a foster kid. So they have to get a photo. They either have to blur their faces out or, um, DCFS has to sign it. Well, technically the lawyer has to sign it. Well, technically the judge has to agree to it and then DCF, DCFS has to sign it. But, um, like, but that's part of the gig. Like you have to do that because people want to see where their money went and it makes them feel good to see pictures of these kids enjoying gifts that they put their money together to get them. It's, it's part of the deal. And I'm comparing that to step and repeat, like those pictures are very, very important. And it's not just like people won't be able to take pictures in front of the step and repeat. Also those people, whether those are people, whether the, the, um, the brands on the step and repeat paid to be there and therefore funding the show or whether there are people from the show who expect that advertisement in their package, like this is, this is like money that we're throwing away by not having these lights on. Uh, remember that fight that Jill had? Was it Jill that had with, I believe it was, I believe it was Bethany on Real Housewives of New York about the step and repeat, about being on the step and repeat. And about who's gonna, and whether someone had paid for it and whether you told me we could do this and da 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 da. Remember that fight? It was, it was during the year that they finally, I think that was season three that they broke up. I don't know. So anyway, Mikey's losing her fucking mind. She's running around. She's screaming at the production guy who she says is the best production guy in the world. Remember she kept telling us that? The best production guy in LA. And, and uh, like they're throwing lights. They're using extension cords and throwing lights out of windows. Mikey's throwing shit and and scream, I'm never working with this asshole again. I'm like, you said he was the best one. Um, 
And finally, and she's like, fashion week is over before it even starts. <laughs> like, this is why I can't work with these types of people. This is why I can't, like, when I did events, it was nothing like this, but it was, it was also just like this. And so <laughs> how people would lose their fucking minds over something as minor as this. So here's the deal. We're either going to get the lights up or not. But rolling around and screaming and like stressing everybody out and getting everybody's blood pressure up is not going to do us any good. It's one or the other. Just we're, we're going to get lights over not. So I just thought that was so, ugh. but 20 minutes later, they've got the lights and Mikey's happy again. And she's like, oh, everything's fine. So the show happens. If you don't remember, like guys, a show is 10, 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. If, if the designer is going to come out there and like talk, talk, like it's not long at all. It's, it's in and out. Um, you might be sitting there for a half an hour cause you got to wait everyone gets seen the lights to go down all kinds of stuff you might be sitting there for a fucking hour to be honest if it's a big big show but like the actual show the actual clothes walking down the runway ah, 15 minutes um mikey comes out to speak for a hot second at the beginning because she's the produce she's she's producing this show but i'm like why is she coming out to speak why isn't Richie Sambora and his partner, who I think is his wife at the time, why aren't they doing that? That's weird. Can you imagine if Kelly Catrone came out and spoke instead of, like, the the designer? Mm, I don't know. Maybe she he did speak and they cut it out. Um, oh, wow. I wrote, this is what I wrote. I wrote, oh, wow. Ava's walk is terrible. <laughs> She's stiff. She's stiff. Um, if her daddy, this wasn't her daddy's line, she would not be in this show. Maybe she would be. This is like a ghetto fashion week. So maybe, <laughs> um, so Mikey has the announcer announced that it's Ava Sambora, Richie's daughter, so that the crowd would get like excited and it would like calm her, like, you know, build up her confidence, I guess. In Mikey's segment, there's another show. And so this is what I meant by maybe she's this is her space that she's doing the shows in it, but she's got more than one show. Um, she invites the whole cast. Uh, everyone shows up, even Boringos, uh, Nikki and Jill. Um, and I'm sure production had something to do with this. And when Jill gets there, she's, she, first of all, I feel like Jill is like, this is tacky. Because she walks in and she goes, mm, they did a job with the tent, huh? <laughs> she didn't say a good job. She said a job. <laughs> Like something happened with the tent. I can see that. <laughs> I feel like she talks shit on the way home. Um, you know, Rose is there with Natalie and Whitney is, is taking pictures on the step and repeat with Mikey. And, you know, she's still new at this. She doesn't even know where she's looking at. <laughs> By season three, Whitney is a seasoned celeb lesbian or whatever the word they use. Celebrity lesbian. <laughs> So, um, Mikey, Raquel's running late and Mikey holds the show for her. She says that Mike, that Raquel has been in every one of her big productions. This is the biggest thing she's ever done. And Raquel's like a good luck charm. And to that, I say good luck charms are on time. <laughs> so Mikey, my, you know, Raquel shows up with, blush for the gods <laughs> so much fucking blush so much blush <laughs> i 
her and Linda Hogan. Linda Hogan looks like Ronald McDonald all the time. Just so much blush. Um, so, um, Mikey comes out and does another speech. And it looks like it's at the end of the show. I, I feel like it was the end of the show. And it's like, this is the biggest and best thing I've ever done in my life. And I'm like, Mikey, don't tell people that. This is just act like you've been here. And, and, um, then she says she's very proud of herself. She's not someone who says she's proud of herself, but she is now. And she then calls Raquel up on the stage with her aggressive blush and gets down on one knee and proposes. And the crowd goes, well, even Tracy's mom is super excited, which just proves what Tracy said. Tracy said she has no problems with lesbians. She's never had any problems. She loves her roommate. She loves, like, it's not an issue for her. It's Tracy being a lesbian that's a problem. Because Tracy's mom is filming and going wild and standing up and clapping and shit. I'm like, Tracy, uh, Zori, you're looking, is this you being an ally? You know, Ally is a verb. I mean, I don't know if it's a verb. It's not technically a verb, but being an ally is something you do, not something that you that you. It's not a title you put on, and then you and then that's it. What's that? I don't know where I heard where I read this, but it's a, an excellent. Um, it's it just illustrates allyship so well that being someone who just doesn't stop you from doing your thing like just watches you it's like if some if if you see a little old lady who's trying to cross a busy road and is having a hard time like getting across like not stopping her and just watching her is one thing but are you going to step out in the road and help her get across are you going to do something and the helping her get across is allyship the other thing is observation is it's it's really being neutral and you have to do something to be an ally but i don't know why i'm saying that because that i just felt like tracy's mom jumping up and down it's like tracy tracy's mom are you what are you what are you doing over there i thought this made you uncomfortable they are kissing (laughs) (laughs) anyway whatever whatever um Mikey says she wanted to propose to Raquel because Raquel, she wanted to speak Raquel's love language. Raquel loves big, over-the-top gestures, and she wanted that for Raquel. And then she ends by saying, American dream, man, I'm just trying to live it. They want to start, they want to build a family together. As we all know, they don't end up together. But, I don't know, Mikey seems like a romantic in that, like, she she does love Raquel, but and so she thinks that the next step, if you love someone, the next step is to get married to them. But being married to somebody is not just being in love with them. It's a it's a business partnership. It's a legal entity, um, and so you can't just be in love with someone. You also have to work well with them, and you have to be have your eyes set on the exa- on the same goals. Like you have like like. It's like being business partners in a lot of ways. I love my husband desperately. <laughs> He's so, I find him to be incredibly funny. I Just the other day, he was saying something. I just ran and jumped on him. He's so fucking funny. He makes me laugh even when I'm mad. But all those things can be true. 
And I can just, I just love his face. I think his face is, I don't know. He's got a great face. I love all, all, so many things about him. But none of those things would be true if the two of us could not work together as partners because that's kind of what this is. Other than that, he's just a guy I like to have fun with and I think his face is cute. And we can do whatever with that. I mean, we can just hang out for 30 years if that's what we want to do. No pressure. But legally tying yourself to someone is saying a lot. It's doing a lot. And... I don't know that Mikey thinks like that. I think Mikey's a romantic. Um, I'm not. <laughs> but I think Mikey's a romantic. And so I think that she thinks that like, like this grand gesture and then, you know, we love each other and everything's gonna be fine. And I, you know what? Let's not, let's not, don't let me get over here uh, measuring the success of relationships by how long they last. Cause that's not a thing. Relationships, short relationships are, are good. Long relationships are good. They're all fucking good. So let, don't let me do that. You know, if they got engaged and they're engaged for three days, you know, as long as they got with any other relationship, it's fine. Anyway, it's been two hours and I've just been talk, 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 talking. And so I'm going to stop now and remind you guys that um, if you are looking to find me, to talk to me, the best way to do so is to find, is to find me on Twitter at okay, then princess. tweet me. I am much more likely to answer your tweet than I am a DM because I don't look at DMs. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram at okay, then princess. If you want to see my boring ass life, if you want to get show news, um, and note and like, Post when there's a new episode and like news about what's going on with the show. Follow me at Buy Pumpkin Podcast on Instagram. And thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.